0: Seven years ago. Two years ago. A year and a half ago. Eight years ago. Seven years ago. My life was good.
1: Married, a mother of two teenagers.
0: I was retired from a long career in the airline industry. Well, I just recently graduated university and gotten married. And working full time in healthcare. I was traveling a lot, played golf with my friends. I was packing for a river cruise to Europe. My husband had just gone through four years of treatment for cancer. To celebrate my husband's better life after cancer. He was
1: in the clear, our careers were back on track. I was keeping all the balls in the air. Then I got sick, really sick. I started having a hard time breathing when I was hiking and climbing. I was getting really bloated, my gut hurt, my back hurt, severe bruising. My husband took me to emergency.
0: Went for my annual medical
1: a visit to emergency. A routine
0: mammogram. A chest x ray. Found a teardrop shaped grapefruit sized breast tumor. Tumor in the middle of my chest. My PSA was high. Twelve hours later, I got the diagnosis leukemia. Ovarian cancer. Prostate cancer. I went in for an asthma medication and came out with a cancer diagnosis. They told me that it had to be addressed immediately.
1: I required chemotherapy.
0: A radical prostatectomy.
1: Radiation therapy.
0: Chemotherapy and radiation.
1: And a bone marrow transplant.
0: The hardest thing was not knowing what was about to happen. I felt like I was in outer space. I had significant neurological side effects. Just felt unwell all the time. Infection was my nemesis. The surgery went well. The hardest part for me was the mental anguish. We've just heard a small sample of some of the most vulnerable people telling their stories. Imagine as a radiographer or a nuclear medicine tech seeing their imaging and knowing the diagnosis is real and the truth that these patients are about to receive their worst news. However we are a family of medical radiation practitioners and today we talk to radiation therapist Meg who has spent many years working in a hospital on the south coast of New South Wales. She is here to give us an insight into the everyday life of a radiation therapist. From diagnosis to treatment can be an alien world for many of our patients. So today, Meg talks to us about her area of expertise. Together, we are all known as professional button pushers. Alrighty, welcome Meg and I just want to start by saying thank you for sharing your valuable time with uh, the team of MRS120 today. It's so good to have you on the virtual couch. It's so good to be here. <laughs> thank you. So as a radiation therapist, basically what I want you to do is talk to us just to outline a typical day in the life of a radiation therapist for us.
1: Yep, um, I guess um, the biggest thing to note to start with is that there's three different work areas as an RT that you can be assigned to or rostered to. Um, so that's simulation, planning and treatment. Um, so that's also the order that the patient will come in and um, be involved in the department as well. So um, simulation um, is the first time the patient is, um, has an appointment with us. Um, so they'll come in, um, and we provide education around what radiation therapy is. Um, and then we do a CT scan in the position that we'd like the patient in each day for their treatment. Um, so in radiation therapy, we're delivering really high doses of radiation. So really, really high energy x-rays, I guess is the easiest way of putting that. Um, so we need to make sure the patient is stable, um, comfortable, Um, and that the position that you're scanning them in is going to be reproducible for treatment every day
0: yeah Um, so so. these compared to say for example i'm a radiographer so the cts that you guys use are they much lower dose when you're just planning
1: they are lower dose but they that also means they're lower quality um so often a patient will ask us when we have that scan or how's my cancer looking how's it you know how's my skin looking in there and we can't Technically, tell them we can. We get an indication, but we um, they're not of diagnostic quality for us to give any kind of medical advice around that. Yeah. Um. So depending on the area of treatment, um, will depend on the position that we need the patient in. Um. So we make masks for head and neck patients, um, which makes um, ensures they're really stable. Um, it can be a little bit scary for them. Yeah. Um, like claustrophobic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a mesh mask. We pop it in an oven. Yeah, Um, And then we stretch it um, so it becomes like uh, floppy and we can stretch it and it actually hooks into the bed um, and then it shakes to the patient's face.
0: Okay, so it's not individualised mask. It's actually made specifically for the couch or the bed you're scanning on and the heating allows it to be
1: manoeuvrable. That's correct. So it is one use per patient, though. So we make a mask for every single patient that comes in. Oh, you um, do. So once it sets, once it hardens to the patient's shape, um, it stays that way for the duration of their treatment. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we. Like, yeah, it depends on the treatment site that we're treating. But, yeah, that's an example for the um, head and neck patients. Yeah. Um, for, like, a breast patient, for example, we want their arms up and out of the treatment area. So we have their arms up above their head. Yep. So we have a few different devices that we can use to stabilise their arms. Um, for a leg, that's something that's quite mobile if we are treating a leg. Um, we have a beanbag that we can suck the air out of. Oh, yep. um, creates like a, yeah. And that creates a stable shape for them. Yeah, um, we have those. Yeah. Some things um, interrelate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so as well as making that kind of equipment for the patients, um, we also need to take a heap of measurements um, so that we can reproduce that position. So we'll take measurements. Um, for example, we'll make sure the patient's nice and straight with some lasers in the room um, by using bony anatomy. Um, so, for example, to straighten the patient all the way through, we'd use sternal notch. um ziffy sternum and then pubic symphysis um and we'd make sure the patient aligns with our lasers in that way um and we also give the patients tattoo dots so they're permanent markings um that are just a small dab of ink um with a needle prick um we take measurements of where they are using surface anatomy um and then they're the points that we use to set up the patient each day on treatment every time yeah, yeah. So the reason we do permanent markings um, and not just text and markings is that text and markings will probably wash off. Yeah. Um, and it's already exactly planned and that's more
0: specific for your radiation dose?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So yeah. they just use, yeah, just use the setup points, um, but we need to make sure our setup points are um, as accurate as possible. Yeah. So um, we could, like, we've had patients... Um, Uh, refuse tattoos because I don't want permanent markings which is fine we have a few different um, methods of placing markers on um, just with different tapes and different dressings I guess to try and keep them in place Um, the benefit of tattoos though is that if a patient comes back for more treatment down the track um, it's a lot easier to reproduce um, the setup that we've um, that they've had their previous treatment in um, and ensure there's no overlap of dose
0: So say they didn't have this tattoo, just hypothetically speaking. Yeah. So they didn't have this tattoo, they disagreed to it, um, and there was no other way to do it. Would you have to go through this whole process again to replan their
1: treatment? Um, No, we'd still have their planning information. So what we do want, the reason we do a CT scan is because every single patient's um, treatment is completely individualised. Yeah. So we, we plan based on their shape, their size, their anatomy, um, and it's so that we can record the dose to all of their critical structures um, that we yeah, don't okay. deliver dose to. So for example, if we're treating someone's prostate, we don't want to deliver too much dose to their bladder or their rectum. Yeah. Um, um, so I suppose that's the same for like the neck to the thyroid. Exactly. Well. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So we do a CT scan. We export that scan into our planning system. Um, and then we document the setup from start to finish. So we'll take... All of our measurements, we'll take photos um, and we've got all of that information ready to then send to the planning team, which is the next team along. So I guess um, in simulation, there's a lot of patient contact. The patient's are usually quite anxious because it's the first time they're in the department um, yeah. seeing us. So uh, the interpersonal skills are really important. Clear communication can, you know, concise communication is really important. Yeah. Um,
0: and I suppose having a element of humanity as well definitely like yeah. especially in rt where you do come into contact with your patients quite yeah. like consistently they you need yeah. to develop a strong rapport with them
1: that's correct yep yeah, that's correct so um so yeah there's the we have a bit like we'll have a chat half an hour to 45 minutes sometimes we'll go through the education explain exactly what we're going to do
0: and this is in simulation yep yeah. then can then we you do just same. briefly yeah. i noticed that you said at the very start in a simulation you would describe what radiation therapy is Yep. To the patient. Can you describe that for first year students? What would you say radiation therapy is?
1: Um, So I guess like I slightly mentioned before, we use really high energy x-rays to precisely target cancerous cells. Um, To treat cancerous cells, unfortunately, we treat from the outside in. So we do need to go through some normal tissue structures to do that as well. Um, But we are able to manipulate the dose um, through use of, lead I guess the MLCs I don't know how much you're going to have known yet so they're lead little structures lead shields that are in the head of the treatment machine Um, so they're constantly shaping and reshaping the dose um, to create a really nice tight conformal dose um, to deliver to the patient to ensure we're not overdosing any other critical structures. Um, Yeah okay
0: so in this simulation time as well, you gain written consent for the entire duration of their treatments or do you have to gain re-consent each time they come in?
1: No, so we get written consent from the very beginning of treatment, so the doctor needs to go through that consent form with them. So they'll outline um, the number of treatments the patient will be having. So a patient can be on all different regimes um, from one single treatment through to 39 treatments. Um, So that's coming 39 days uh, with weekends off. Yep. Um, and they'll go through thoroughly side effects as well of treatment, which are very dependent on the area you're having treatment.
0: So does it depend on the area you're having treatment as well as to whether you come 39 consecutive days without weekends or whether you would have, say, a five-day break in between? Is there certain with radiation doses in regards to their limits, I guess? Yeah.
1: So obviously everything, um, it it's all comes from clinical trials, um, the different regimes that we use. Um, evidence-based practice. Very much so, very much so. Um,
0: <laughs> Strong advocate for it, you can <laughs> tell. <laughs>
1: um, but, yeah, so if someone comes in for 39 treatments, um, for example, for our prostate patients, they would receive uh, 39 treatments, two gray per fraction. Um, we've actually just um, started in the last probably two years, I would say, um, giving... Us 20 treatment regime, um, which has the same bioequivalent dose as the longer treatment.
0: Can you break down what bioequivalent <laughs> dose might be?
1: Um, so I guess there needs to be a lot of tests done to ensure that it's safe for us to deliver a higher dose per treatment. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a bit of an equation to work out what the same equivalent dose Um, as the really long regime would be in a shorter treatment regime. Yeah, okay. Um, And there's a lot of studies done to then um, ensure the safety of that. Um, So in radiation in general, not just for prostate, um, they're working on what we call hyperfractionating a lot of treatments, which is delivering higher dose per treatment, and the patient will only be required to come in um, for a shorter amount of time. Yeah, so it impacts their day-to-day lifestyle, much less. Um, Just when delivering higher doses, We obviously need to make sure our technology is all up to scratch, um, and that we're really confident that what we're delivering um, is as accurate as possible.
0: Yeah, and I just want to actually—I've really caught you off guard here. But what you said before, when we were talking prior to the interview starting, is that you mentioned that hyperfractioning is actually what has really come out of COVID, probably as well, or or it's been COVID's probably highlighted. Yeah, COVID definitely
1: highlighted that. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so less face-to-face contact in the hospital for patients was really important. There's some um, treatment regimes which don't allow it. Yeah. Um, yeah, however, yeah. However, the doctors have really tried to shorten the fractionation, which is the number of treatments, um, especially for our more palliative patients um, with in regards to pain management. Um so sometimes they would come in for five treatments. Um the doctors have tried to get that down to one treatment. Yeah, okay. And that's all based on evidence-based practice. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um so once we're getting back to the simulation side of things, I guess, Tani, once we've done the CT scan, uh we export that to our planning system and we send that to our doctors. Um, and what the doctors do in that next step is they um we call it voluming, um, but they'll outline on the CT scan the area they'd like to target for treatment, yeah. and they give us all of their dose limitations. So they'll tell us um, again. I'll go back to the prostate example. They'll say, "I want the prostate to receive seventy-eight gray, um, yeah. but I only want the bladder um, to receive, you know, no, only only five percent of the bladder is allowed to receive that amount so- of." So.
0: Just to break that down, the bladder sits very close to the prostate, so it's, and it's yeah. something that we need to consider is those surrounding structures to the organ that we're trying to target. Yeah.
1: and that's the same with the rectum as well. So your prostate's kind of nuzzled in there in between your bladder and your rectum. Um, and like I mentioned before, it's in... Nuzzled. <laughs> Good choice nuzzled in there. <laughs> It's inevitable that we do, like we can't completely um, limit the dose to those structures if we want to treat the prostate to its full um, dose. yeah. If we're not dosing the prostate to the full amount, there's not much point in giving treatment because uh, we're essentially missing our target. Yep. So it- Benefit outweighs the risk. That's exactly right. So, um, But we have a few measures in place to ensure that we can reduce that dose as much as possible and that comes with all of the advancements in technology now as well. Um, so the treatments are much more conformal, so the dose is much tighter, um, so we're able to limit the dose to those um, critical structures even more.
0: I imagine there'd be loads of filters within your equipment as well that would then allow for that filter. Yeah, so
1: I guess... Um, Radiation is delivered with a linear accelerator, yeah. which is like um, it's a huge machine that almost feels, it looks like an arm that's kind of coming out and around the patient. Um, so it can go 360 degrees around the patient and it can deliver dose from any of those angles. So we decide what those angles are going to be um, during the planning stage, which comes after the doctor marks up the volumes for us. So um, the doctor's kind of the link in between the simulation and planning process. Yeah. Um, so he will send then the volumes to the planner. He'll say these these are the um, I guess restrictions um, with the plan. I don't want the bladder to receive x amount of dose. I want, don't want the rectum to receive x amount of dose, but the prostate must receive full dose.
0: So calculate um, your therapy according to this.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then the plan. If you're in the planning team, um, you'll have a planning workload of anywhere between five to ten patients on your work list at once Um, they'll all have different um, I guess timings so they'll be they'll have different due dates on when they they need to be ready Um, so we work really closely with the doctors to then generate the plan Um, we work with the physics team as well um, when we're doing that so yeah um, so the planning team I guess is a little bit more you need to be a little bit more self-directed Um, You kind of work with your own work list rather than working in a big team. You are working in a team always in radiation therapy, but um, it is very much more self-directed. So you're required to manage your own workload. Um, You're not really micromanaged too much in that work area.
0: So as in you would have five to ten on your list at one time, would you, that's not what you're expected to get through in planning in a day though?
1: Um, No, no. So I might receive my voluming from the doctor today, um, depending on the complexity of the plan. A plan might take me an hour or a plan might take me, you know, two days um, yep. depending on the plan complexity. Um, and then from that planning point, um, we get another radiation therapist to do like an independent check on that plan yep. to ensure quality. it's safe to be delivered. So that's like a quality assurance check. Yeah. Um, it then goes back to the doctor to do his final approval as well. So he needs to tick off that he's a accepting whatever doses that the patient's receiving yeah and then it goes through another checking process within the rt team still um before wow. getting checked by a physicist um they do a safety check and an independent monitor unit check yeah. um so monitor units are i guess how we measure the dose that's delivered to patients yeah um so if we're delivering a really high dose per treatment it often has a really high monitor unit count Yeah. Um, if we're a low dose per treatment, the monitor units are much less. Yeah. Um, so we like our dose is actually delivered with photons often, yeah. but we can deliver yeah. electron treatment as well. Um, and electron treatment is just a lot more superficial um, than our photon treatment. As in, so no, you couldn't target deep cancers. internal structures.
0: Yeah. 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 So say you had a liver lesion, you wouldn't use. We would use electron. photons. For yeah, liver. you wouldn't use we'd, electron.
1: Yeah, we'd use, yeah we would use um, photons. So electrons are really for skin cancers. So scalps, ears, um, noses, those types of things. Yeah. Um, mainly just, yeah, the really superficial stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then um, so that's simulation planning and yeah. then you'll have your treatment team.
1: That's correct. So treatment is the area where you have a lot of patient contact. Um, you That's where you develop, you develop your rapport with the patients as well. Um, so we uh, in Wollongong, um, we treat between 30 and 40 patients on each machine each yep. day. Uh, we have three machines. Um, we're at two and a half machine staffing capacity at the moment.
0: Um, Always understaffed. actually. We?
1: <laughs> we're actually in the process of replacing one of our machines as well. So we're down to two machines. Yeah. At wow. the um, so, yeah, we do it between like 30 and 40 patients a day. um with technology um i guess comes faster more efficient treatment um so we're able to squeeze more and more patients in as we go um so on treatment you're seeing the patient every single day of their treatment yeah Um, so they might be coming in like i said before for one treatment they might be coming in for 25 treatments 30 treatments, um, you develop yeah, you're very much a rapport with them and you're the person that is seeing that patient every day. So usually it's you that will um, be monitoring their side effects. Um, you'll be the one that notices changes in their skin during treatment. So um, like a bit of a, a sunburn is a really common side effect of radiation treatment. Yeah, um, There's, a, again, a lot of advancements in technology and the skin reactions are nowhere near as bad as what we were seeing Um like even when I first started, um, bec- like even when I yeah, started radiation therapy um, at Wollongong seven years ago, um, the improvement in skin reactions is crazy in just that short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because we're delivering much more conformal treatment Yeah. Um, as, well as, um, as well as more skin care options as well.
0: Yeah. So my next question for you is, because we are, whilst we are a medical radiation family, we are very different professions. So we, I work in CT as a diagnostic radiographer and we'll do loads of acute fit-ins. I do imagine you'd have to sometimes expedite treatments, but obviously they have to have simulation and planning done first. So what sort of cases would, would count, I guess, as
1: an expedited case? Um, so the most common thing that we would see as an emergency come through radiation therapy would be a cord compression. Um, so that's where someone might've had back pain, has gone into ED, had a CT or MR, um, and they've found a tumor that's actually starting to compress the spinal cord. Um, so we deliver a really high dose of radiation, usually in one single or five treatments. So a really short fractionation, um, we essentially get them in. ASAP and we hit them with a really high dose um, to try and stop that growth um, and stop the impeding spinal cord compression. Yeah, wow. um, And that's, yeah, it's pretty crazy how quickly the radiation can work when we deliver a really high dose like that. Um, Patients can, um, I guess, have a sense of relief. Um, Everyone is different within a couple of days, within a week, within a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, it's
0: crazy, hey? Yeah. So obviously you've just outlined simu- simulation planning and treatment which sort of leads me into my next question for you about career pathways for a new graduate. But yeah. firstly I wanted to quickly ask you about those three sections as a new grad radiographer do you obviously rotate through all three and have exposure to all three so then you can be yeah. a member of a functioning team I guess.
1: Yeah, that's right. So um that is one of the positives of our job. I really like the we do have the different work areas. Um, They're all very different, like from simulation to planning to treatment, they all are very different and I think that keeps us all on our toes and keeps up our skills in all areas. But yeah, as a new graduate, you'll be required to work in all three of those areas. Every department does their rostering a little bit differently, um, but we usually have an eight to 12 week rotation in each area. Um, So it's enough to really consolidate your knowledge, really learn as much as you can in each area at a time. Um, I think if you're rostered there for only, you know, a week or two here and there, you really wouldn't be um, consolidating. You really get adequate knowledge to sort of solidify that. That's right. Yeah. And all three areas are really interrelated with the other. So if we get things wrong at the simulation period, um, treatment becomes very difficult. It becomes very difficult to set the patient up each day. So um, we do image verification every day on our patients. So, Mm -hmm. We will take either x-rays or the linear accelerator can also actually take a CT scan now. We call it a cone beam CT. Um, That gives us more information than the x-rays. The x-rays we can only see bones. Um, The cone beam CT, we can see all of our soft tissue as well. So we actually overlay that with our planning images from our simulation um, and we ensure that the patients are in the exact same position each day.
0: Yeah, well, I actually do like as well how you touched on before how in tube, um, tube, <laughs> spinal cord compression, yeah. how um, CT, MRI and then you, it's like a continuity of yes. care, like a pathway That's that right. we yeah. are still
1: interrelated within professions. So it is, yeah, um, yeah it's nice to touch
0: yeah. on that as well.
1: We, um, at Wollongong, we don't actually have an MR in our radiation department, but some centres are actually moving towards that. So that's one of the huge advancements in technology. Um, They're actually having MR scans within the radiation therapy department. Which is great Um, to then alleviate MRI lists elsewhere. That's right. So at the moment, we're working closely with our MR team. We actually go over for some of the MR scans and we um, put the position, uh, put the patient uh, for the MR scan in the same position that they've been for a radiation treatment and that ensures that the fusion of the images that we take, so we fuse the MRI with the planning simulation scan yeah. um, and it gives us more information. Like I mentioned before, the CTs that we take aren't of diagnostic quality. Yeah. You can clearly see a bladder and you can see bone, you can see tissue density changes, but we can't see of diagnostic quality.
0: Yeah, you can't specify, I suppose. I that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, I have another question for you, Meg. What do you enjoy most about your job as a radiation therapist?
1: Um, I touched on it before, but I like the three different work areas. Like I like the diversity in what we do. Um, I like that you um, really get to know the patients. For me, that was the thing that um, I guess took me towards RT over DR, um, I did like the, you, you do develop a rapport with the patient. So you're seeing the patient every day. You learn about their grandkids. You learn about their families. You learn about what they're going to do on the weekends, what sporting clubs they follow. And, you know, there's, um, with most patients, there's a really good banter there. Obviously, yeah. we need to keep it professional as well. Um, but you do develop a bit of a, um, a yeah, definitely develop a rapport with those patients as well. Um, like I said, we're the one team that are seeing the patient every day throughout their radiation therapy treatment. We have a nursing team we work very closely with. Um, They're usually only escalated there if they're experiencing side effects. If they're not having any issues with treatment, they'll just be seeing us. Um, And the doctors really only check in with their patients weekly. So... We're the ones that are really um, putting the patients in touch with all of the other disciplines that they might need to see. So um, when you say doctors, you
0: you mean radiation oncologists?
1: Radiation oncologists, sorry, yes. Yeah. yeah. And they're right. registrars as well.
0: Yeah. So specifically yeah. trained in radiation therapy and radiation yes. oncology.
1: Yes. yes. Perfect. <laughs> um, so
0: like you've just said, obviously in RT it's very important to empathise and have a high level of interpersonal skills so that you can communicate and Gauge when to have good banter with your patients. Um, but what advice would you give to new medical radiation science students who are starting out in this area um, around think, sort of interpersonal skills and how yeah. important? I, don't, I feel like sometimes we it's like we harp on it, but until you actually then transi- um, transition into the profession, you don't actually yeah. realize how important those soft yeah. skills are.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is like a lot of students when they do come through they really focus on learning the technical skills and the technical steps of the treatments and the setups and what it is we're actually doing on the technical side of things Um, sometimes it can be forgotten that every patient that comes through they're on their own journey they're on you know they're going through their own stuff and they are a person Um, and sometimes like you know the talk doesn't have to be all about their treatment it doesn't have to be Oh, how are you feeling today? What side effects are you experiencing? Get on the bed, move up, move down, roll over for me, you know, whatever those instructions might be. Um, sometimes you just really strip it back to basics. Ask how they're going, like, you know, ask what they're doing for the weekend, comment yeah. on the weather outside, you know, I think. How their holiday was last June. <laughs> yeah, just all that small talk is really important. And I think that's really valuable to the patients as well. Um, most of our patients are of an older demographic. Um, I would say 60 plus is probably our biggest demographic of patients, um, but we do see a lot of um, young patients that come through as well um, for their radic- more radical treatments in most cases. yeah. Um, so I think just, yeah, remembering that everyone is just a person um, and they value normal conversation as well as the technical stuff. So. Yeah. Um, It's Competence in your job, I suppose, but
0: as well as being able to show empathy and sympathy and be human.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: I sometimes think as well, which is the importance of silence um, and knowing just when to listen
1: is is a really
0: important skill. Like that's still a communication skill. You're still just actively listening to your patients and just give them the opportunity to talk.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Another method that we use too is the um, teach back method. Um, so when we're giving, especially in those simulation sessions, we're giving them a lot of information and we're giving them a lot of instructions. Um, so we'll simply say, okay, like, so can you repeat to me what you think is going to happen when you come on treatment? Just to see how much they're actually taking in because it is quite an overwhelming process. It's overwhelming of the senses. There's, there's yeah. a lot to take in, I suppose, in That's that first right. initial simulation session. That's right. That's right. Um, and we give them a lot of instructions on skincare, on... Um, side effect management so those things can quite easily be missed they you know probably start worrying about that before the conversations even finished before you've actually even given you know the instruction they're already thinking about the next the what-ifs yeah that's right
0: and when so you talk skin about skincare skin skin. you're not talking about like Dermalogica,
1: jelly, you're <laughs> talking about proper skincare or radiation proper therapy. Skincare. So if you imagine like when you get sunburned um a bit of a dull sunburn that can happen in the treatment area um in most of our cases Um, so we get the patients to use really really high-tech sorbillin moisturizer (laughs) in their treatment in their treatment area Um, it's just a cream that's fragrance-free alcohol-free no additives it's just really basic cream Uh, we want to keep that area nice and moist Um, if the skin dries out um, that's when you can be prone to infections and breaking of the skin and blistering and all those types of things. Just everything like hand hygiene where infection then grows, isn't it? And
0: that's these it. patients are obviously more susceptible to infection because they'll be yeah. sometimes immunocompromised where their immune system's already affected by the cancer that's yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. presented to them. Yeah. Especially when they're having some concurrent therapies as well, like the chemotherapy. Immunotherapy.
0: Uh, yeah. As well.
1: yeah. 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 Um, but awesome. yeah, often people think that radiation therapy is really linked with the chemotherapy, um, but they're totally different professions. So I, I mean, I know enough about chemotherapy um, to reassure my patients, but I don't know the ins and outs um, of chemotherapy. That's specifically done by the nursing team.
0: Yeah. So as soon as you say cancer care, sardotoxic. people think
1: you do a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much,
0: Meg. I feel like you've given us a great insight into radiation therapy. I feel
1: like we got a bit off track there, but that's all right. I feel that's all right. That's <laughs> a few tangents. But...
0: So fine. That's like a normal conversation anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>